Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all. Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I'm Ken Hellenius and sitting across from me in the actual studio of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon, is the original man without a hat, the inventor of the safety dance himself, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, Deacon. <laughs> you could dance if you want to. We can dance if we want to. We can leave your <laughs> You can leave those friends behind. <laughs> so good. So oh good. my goodness. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you? I am really well. It's a uh, school where we're now a month into school already, it seems, and uh, or like at least three. We're in the third week of school, and uh, campus is lively, as always. You know, at the beginning of the academic year, everybody's excited to be in the classroom. The teachers are excited, and uh, um, we've got a lot of activities going on at the Center for Ethics and Culture at Notre Dame, where I work. We're preparing for a little travel coming up that I'll be talking about in a couple weeks. I'll, I'll share some details on that. But uh, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a really lovely time of year, and uh, um, just happy to be happy to be alive and getting it done day in and day out. How about you? Yeah, well, things are a little quieter at home now because you know we now have two kids uh, in college, you right? Know, so we just have the twins at home now, and uh, they're so busy with their activities. Uh, you know, so it's, uh, it's quieter in our house, kind of got getting used to that, you know, and, uh, just came back from speaking at a Eucharistic Congress in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, which was, a uh, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And, nice. uh, and I'm uh, heading to, uh, Texas next week and then Fairbanks, Alaska after that, you, you know, get the retreat to the deacons there. Wow. You're going from the second largest state to the largest state, like on back-to-back trips. That's a, yeah, that's, that's right. a long flight. And I would have now hit every diocese in Alaska because I've, I've done, uh, I've been, I've spoken oh, wow. in Juneau, uh, priest uh-huh. retreat in Juneau, and I've spoken a number of times in Anchorage, and now first time to Fairbanks. You're a regular uh, man about town, well, at least a man about village, remote village yeah. in Alaska, right? <laughs> that should be that's fun. That's awesome. Well, that's fun. I recently learned an interesting trivia fact uh, that is the entire GDP, the gross domestic product of the entire nation of Russia, is equivalent to that of Texas. Really? And you would think, you would think with all those natural resources in Russia that it would be so much larger because they're like the third largest producer of oil in the world. And yet... Uh, Texas produces obviously lots of oil and lots of cattle and uh, lots of I don't know country music, uh, and so uh, you know the the, uh, the economy is so strong there. So uh, I'm sure that uh, that there's a lot more to be learned from that, but I don't know where I was going to go with that uh, with that point. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a fact I learned, and so that was good because I was learning every day. Got to get smarter every day, you know. They there say. you go. And speaking of getting smarter, uh, yeah. we, you know, we're continuing our discussion of uh, Pope Paul VI's uh, incredible encyclical letter, Humani Vitae, 50th anniversary of that document. And we're uh, making our way through uh, through it. And uh, we're up to uh, paragraph 10, which starts a section called Responsible Parenthood. So this paragraph really picks up the idea that, again, married love 
and sexuality respects the holistic meaning of sexuality. So it's more than just a physical act and it's more than just something that feels good, but it respects the whole meaning of the person, especially in regards to the gift of parenthood. So what the Holy Father says is, in the procreative faculty, the human mind discerns biological laws that apply to the human person. So we, as humans, have not only are we, do we have animal instincts and emotions, we also have the gift of reason and the freedom of will to act. And we also, in our reason, can recognize that there are natural laws written into our existence. And that includes, for example, we can see that the human body has cycles. You know, we can see in the the female reproductive cycle, we can see the way things repeat and the way uh, things have systems built in. So we can recognize all of these things. And because we have this great gift of reason and will, we do need to employ it in our, as we approach and as we perform any action. And this is, of course, we hear about this when we think about sin and we think about virtue. We employ our reason and our will in harmony with the cycles of our body, with the habits that we develop and things like this. So the Holy Father says we apply this also to our human sexuality. So we recognize and celebrate the unitive and the emotional bonding that takes place in human sexuality, especially in the context, as always, of marriage. So all of this document, by the way, just to repeat, this is all talking about sexuality in the context of marriage. The Catholic Church and and no Christian church advocates for sexuality outside of the bonds of the married commitment. Um, This is properly and rightly only used in the context of marriage. So that's what what we're going to, we always want to remember that as we're talking about the use of these faculties, because these are we co-create with God in our human sexuality. And we need to be complete and honest and in a commitment that is exclusive. Like God's commitment with us is exclusive. God is in a relationship with us to the end. And that is what marriage is a reflection of. And our sexuality is the deepest emotional bond, the emotional, physical, spiritual bond that we share with our spouse. Beautiful points, Ken. And it's about respecting uh, the biology of God's design, the, uh, mm-hmm. recognizing it. Because uh, you ask, how, how am I a blessing to God? How are we a blessing to God? How do we bless God? Uh, we're a blessing to God when we are the people that he created and calls us to be. And part of that response to God's invitation to this to relationship with him is respecting the person who created us and how he created us. So by respecting biology and in, in a way that a woman's body is designed, recognizing those fertility cycles. That's, but in addition to that, the, the procreative act itself, there's chemical reactions that happen. There, there's the um, uh, oxytocin that's released in the woman and vasopressin yeah. that's released in a man. And those are during, during the conjugal act, those are bonding chemicals. Those chemicals are designed that were released by a man and a woman. Those two different chemicals are designed to, to bond, uh, uh, physically, emotionally bond that couple together, you know? So that's, we talk about that unit dimension. There's a biology and a physicality, uh, to, to that, even if it doesn't generate children, 
Right. Like for example, a couple can get married. Say someone had a cancer, had their uterus taken out. That that doesn't take away from that unitive dimension of, or, or even even though they can't have children, it's not about having children. It's about being able to procreate. The intention has to be there to bring forward new life. I think that's the key. And so there's yeah. chemical processes that happen that facilitate the the theology that we're talking about here. No, that is such a an important point. And and the Holy Father talks about it both kind of here and even in the next paragraph where he talks about in accordance with the natural law. So uh, like in paragraph 11, the Holy Father says it does not cease to be legitimate even when for reasons independent of their will. Uh, the sexual act is foreseen to be infertile. So, for example, uh, Julie and I, my, my beloved bride and I married late in life and um, we were unable, we are unable to have children. Um, and But that doesn't lessen our marriage. It doesn't lessen the meaning of our our relations with one another. It just means that that we certainly don't intend not to have kids. We certainly would love to have children. We are physically unable to. That doesn't mean that we don't bond together when we when we are having relations. You know, we are bonding with one another. We it is an expression of our love and it is open to uh, procreation. It just won't happen physically. And that's not through any fault or intention of our own. And that's what's so important. The Holy Father says um, the the expression and strengthening of the union of husband and wife is a critical part of the meaning of human sexuality. But it's not the only part. And here's the other thing is, because our will is to certainly to have children, we would love to, so we are entering into it with the seeking the fullness of the meaning of human sexuality, which is unitive and procreative. Even if we are not procreative, we are still in accordance with the natural law that is written into our sexuality. Uh, that's right. Those are extremely important points, Ken. And, and thank you for being so uh, vulnerable and sharing that. I think that's going to be extremely helpful for a lot of other couples out there. Um, that may be thinking deeply about this issue as well. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's of course. I mean, we're, we're open about it because we, we certainly, you know, we didn't know that going in. We didn't know that we were not going to be able to have children before we were married. And so it just, you know, it, it's a fact of our lives. And it's certainly one, you know, like in our relationship, it's made us, you know, mean that we have to compensate for that in a way. You know, we are aunt and uncle and uh, uh, to our nieces and nephews because we don't have children of our own to pour that portion of our love uh, out on. So we we do our best to share it with the children around us, you know, with the, the children of our friends and our, and our nieces and nephews and my godchildren and things like that. This is all, all part of um, how our love is meant to overflow. We are invited to overflow our love to others. Because if you remember, as we talked about last week, um, as we kind of ended last week, that married love is supposed to be fecund. It is supposed to be fruitful, as the Holy Father said at the end of paragraph nine, not confined to just the interchange between husband and wife, but actually contriving, as he says, to go beyond that to bring new life into being in whatever way we can in our expression of that love in this case, because we can't have children. I want to make sure that we uh, cover in paragraph 10, there's kind of four points that the Holy Father brings out with regard to responsible parenthood. You, you brought up two of them. The first one was respecting the biology and God's design. Then he talked mm-hmm. about the use of reason and will. 
because he talked about how we have these innate drives and emotions as human beings, mm-hmm. like the, the sexual drive and, and the emotions with that are very powerful, but they have to be tempered as human beings made in God's image and likeness with reason and will. You know, so, right. so, they, so they have to be placed within a context because if it's not placed within its proper context, it becomes use. Now you're using right. the other person for your, your emotion and your desires take over. And, and now you're, you're just satisfying desires without looking at the totality uh, of not only the other person that's in front of you, but also of the, uh, the possible results of that action. You see? Yeah. And this is where, well, and this is the, the very idea, right, of animal lust, you know, um, of, well, you know what? We just got carried away. We let our emotions and our instincts overpower our will and our reason. That is what separates us from animals, right? Is our, our reason and will. Um, I think about, you know, my dog who, you know, my dog occasionally gets affectionate for, you know, um, the couch. And that's not that's not legitimate. That's, you know, and he can't in his, he doesn't have the gift of reason and will. So you have to tell him no, and you have to stop him. This is an analogy. I don't want to, I don't want to get too, you know, too deep into this, but we have, as you say, we need to integrate our will and our reason in control of our, of our emotions and our drives and our instinctual drives. And so the Holy Father is underscoring that. Yeah, and the third point he makes is about discerning family size. The church does not teach how many children you're supposed to have. That's a prudential decision that parents make together. And he talks about here in in paragraph 10, uh, for serious reasons with respect to moral precepts, decide not to have additional children either for a certain or indefinite period of time. And he talks about physical economic, psychological, and social conditions. Let's take a look at each one of those. First of all, yeah. physical, right? So there, there may be a physical reason why, and you brought this out with, with yourself and Julie, why you can't have kids, all right? So there yeah. may be a physical reason. For, again, it's not the intention not to have children, but there's a physical reason that goes, that goes beyond intellect and will, uh, which is still open, but for, there's a physical reason for stopping that process. Doesn't mean, that does, still doesn't mean you're still not open to life. Um, economic now okay people I think having kids just for the sake of having kids when you can't take care of the ones you already have is irresponsible I I think these are discussions that you have to have with your spouse you know not not, so it shouldn't be let me let me be clear I'm not saying here uh, okay let's not have any more kids so we can continue to have our vacation house in the south of France or mm-hmm. that we can continue having our nice vacations every year. I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about. Okay, we have three kids right now. Uh, I'm already working. You know, uh, fifty hours a week, um, and you're already taking care of uh, three young kids. We have school. We got tuitions coming up. Uh, financially, okay. If we have another kid right now, how's that going to look? What, what is this? What's the impact going to be on our family? Can we be able to? skip and save or cut things out or, or change my schedule around to give you the support that you need to be able to take care of an additional child. Uh, what about childcare costs? What about, I mean, all right. that's the kind of, of a conversation that, that I mean. Then also emotional, uh, you know, there's postpartum depression, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are mm-hmm. emotional realities. We take care of children. You know, um, if the, if, if one spouse is working, the other one's home with the kids, there's emotional, psychological factors that happen during that time as well. You know, the, the person may need more support. Um, you know, yeah. if, if there's not a parent or, you know, a grandparent there to be able to help out or, or, or a close relative, then that could be a very stressful situation. 
um, uh, in a marriage and in the life of a family. And then finally, uh, social conditions as well. So, for example, we talked about China. There may be there may be uh, conditions where the government has imposed something. Where you can't have additional children because those children could be taken or the, the government could force you to have an abortion because you're supposed to limit your family size according to government regulations. So so these are all the facts that the pope brings out. Um, when he's talking about being responsible parents, I wanted to say that I have uh, we have a graduate student here at the uh, at, at the center who is uh, from China, and I was asking him the other day uh, if he has any brothers or sisters, and he said, "No, you know, he was he was raised in an age. He's now in his in his late twenties. He said my parents couldn't have any more because of the government. He said, and so I am alone. He said I have no brothers and sisters, and it is." Is just our little family of three and he and, and I asked him how do you feel about that and he said it is a good thing that the policy has changed so that families can now have more than more than one he said because it's very lonely and that was a really fascinating conversation because we don't think about that too you know the the emotional needs are not just for husband and wife, but they are also for the family within the family themselves as well. And so these need to enter into the, into the discussion as well, you know, um, not to say that the single, single child families or one child families are, are, um, you know, not fruitful and lovely families as well. But in this case where it was, as you say, the society imposes that upon a family, it is a completely different discussion than when, than when parents come to this decision after, after taking all of these things into account. And, and, and also then the fourth thing that you're going to mention here, the fourth way that uh, parents need to, need to think about as they are talking about responsible parenthood and that is of course integrating their relationship with god that's right and and the duties that come with responsible parenthood uh yeah. and that that's really important because with um it, because why well, have a right to get married but with rights comes duties comes mm-hmm. responsibilities not only to the couple but to society yeah. And that's the, that's why this redefinition of marriage is, makes absolutely no sense. The reason why marriage between one man and one woman, any ch- children they have together, that serves as the core, the heart, the nucleus, the center, the foundation of civilization, culture, and society, is because of what that couple does for all of society, not just for the individual couple. Because with when you make that commitment, you now have a right that extends beyond yourself to all of society as well. That's what the Holy Father is also emphasizing here as well. Um, it concerns the objective, as he places, says it here, it concerns the objective moral order, which was established by God, of the right to conscience to uh, is the true interpreter. In a word, exercise responsible power who requires a husband and a wife keeping a right order of priorities, recognize their own duties toward God, themselves, their families, and human society. See, so there's duties that come with the responsibility of marriage. It's not just about the couple satisfying each other's needs. It's extending beyond that couple and their responsibility to to everyone. Yeah. And as he says, it, it is not as if they, it's wholly up to them to decide what is the right course to follow. On the contrary, they're bound to ensure that what they do corresponds to the will of God, the creator. 
as well. This is part of our vocation as a married couple as well, is not just for one another, but as you say, is in the context of all of these considerations. And so that's really kind of sets the scene then for this next, uh, as, as we mentioned before, paragraph 11, observing the natural law. Primarily, sexual acts must remain open to the possibility of conception, even though not every act will result in a child. We know that, right? Every time a couple ha- uh, has relations, they don't have a baby. Um, that's built into the natural cycles, the natural rhythm of the human body of fertility. And so we recognize and celebrate the unitive and emotionally bonding act of marital love. But as he says, God has wisely ordered laws of nature and the incidence of fertility in such a way that successive births are already naturally spaced through the inherent operation of these laws. You know, there's the the way it's built into the human body, especially into the female body, that uh, that a newborn mother is uh, um, through feeding of a child and through uh, breastfeeding of a child that is actually helping to um, regulate her own fertility, her successive fertility as well. And so these are built into the natural rhythms of the human body. And and this serves as the foundation for natural family planning. I think people today still have this misconception about the rhythm method. You know, I mean, just like technology right. has changed over the years, uh, so has this uh, technologies for understanding cycles and fertility of a woman. Pope Paul VI Institute. Yeah, founded there in Omaha. Yeah, yeah that's right. It's a, it's a phenomenal resource for people to understand the uh, incredible beauty of, of uh, natural fertility and, and understanding cycles and regulating that, which is much, much, much more effective than any of these contraceptive methods that, the, that are imposed from the outside. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, understanding just basic biology, you know, uh, in order to, for one to be pregnant, it has to be sperm, egg, and fertile mucus. Without those three mm-hmm. things, you can't get pregnant. So all you're doing with NFP, natural family planning, is you're just determining uh, when that egg is released, you know, when mm-hmm. that fertilized egg is released. And if the egg is not impregnated within 12 hours, it flushes out with the next menstrual cycle. You know, you just, okay, when is this happening? And you're just choosing not to act during that period. So, I mean, so there's an incredible, uh, in fact, most of the time a woman can't get pregnant for most of the month. Right, right. Yeah, she's only fertile for for three days. Yeah, see, the egg has to be, the egg has to be fertilized within 12 hours after it's been released. But the the, the reason the three days goes in there, because the fertile mucus keeps the sperm alive. So say an active intercourse happens on a Monday, but she doesn't release the egg till Wednesday. So the, the sperm is kept alive when the egg shows up. The sperm are still there and can still pen- can still penetrate the egg. You see what I'm saying? But it has to do it within 12 hours yeah. after the egg yeah. is released. So that's what that window is there for. Um, yeah. So, but if any of those three things aren't there, then a woman can't get pregnant. And most of the month, she can't get pregnant. So, yeah. so all you're doing is understanding how those cycles work and determining um, when that's happening. And you're choosing not to act during that period, which is a, which we'll talk about this later as we Pope Paul VI gets into the details of this. But, but it's a very different thing. Than, than acting and not acting. Right. And it actually requires communication. It requires um, communication and a knowledge of one another, one another's bodies, one another's e- emotional 
you know, so much that goes into NFP, into these natural methods. And again, yeah, it, we'll talk about this later. We'll talk about it there. I'm sure we, we'll have at least one or two shows before we really kind of get into depth on on this. But I was doing a little research, kind of reading up. And, and you know, a guest that we actually had on the show before, Susie Younger, uh, who spoke with us for Mulieris Dignitata, and, and whom we actually maybe want to bring back to chat more about this. She is a fertility care practitioner. And so she has been trained in in all of the science and the counseling that goes forms the basis of the incredibly highly scientific, technical, and effective methods that are available that are in accordance with the natural law, that respect the natural cycles, and that use them in the way that God intended us to use them with our reason, with our understanding, with our will, with the emotion, all of these things that go into responsible parenthood. You know, these are the things that are available to us that mean so much more and require so much more commitment and relationship, depth of relationship than using a condom or taking a pill that stops, frustrates, and fights against the uh, reality of our human bodies. That's right, and um, and that's why this topic needs to be brought up in marriage preparation. Couples going into marriage need to understand how this process works. And so, my recommendation, of course, would be that uh, natural family planning is an integral part of the marriage preparation program, so that couples, again, going in, have all this information available to them, and so they can right from the start understand. Uh, how this works and incorporate that into marriage right from the beginning. I couldn't agree more. I uh, know that it's uh, certainly here in the in the Diocese of Fort Wayne, South Bend. It is part of the uh, the marriage preparation programs that uh, couples be at least uh, you know that they at least hear about it. Um, and then, but to support NFP programs wherever you are, to seek them out, to encourage couples that you know that are considering marriage to seek out and learn about these things. And then, if you practice NFP in your own marriage to actually talk about it and to encourage others because there are people out there that could benefit especially as we mentioned before you know our age where we seek out organic foods and we we shop at whole foods and and all these sorts of things so that we can minimize the amount of chemicals guess what nfp is completely natural it is completely organic it's literally organic because it is your body and so it's a beautiful gift but we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks uh, as we continue exploring this document because again deacon we've run out of time oh uh, it goes by so fast just like kids <laughs> growing up yeah it goes by so fast well ken Absolutely. until uh, next time how can people stay in touch with us go to livingstonesmedia.org to uh, see uh, previous episodes. You can also download the entire archive at materdeiradio.org. If you're on Twitter, you can find us at Catholic Stones, and we're also on Facebook. Just type in Living Stones into the old Facebook search bar. We're also on iTunes as well, actually. You can download the previous shows, subscribe to us on iTunes in your favorite podcast player, and then you'll get all the, the Deacon Herald you can handle. Uh, <laughs> but until uh, until we gather next week, Deacon, might we have a blessing. Sure. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones. You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon. 
For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com.